the Crude Audacity Podcast. jump straight into it today. Thank you so much for tuning in for this Wednesday happy hour. Uh, you are tuned in to the Crude Audacity podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. I am Catherine Mills and today's segment is our petroleum underground segment where we address all topics in energy that make you stop and say, what the what? <laughs> Um, before I jump into our guest today, I would like to give a huge shout out to our sponsors. They are the Denver International Petroleum Society and Rare Petro, two great organizations. Um, Rare Petro actually has their own podcast and definitely a resource for cutting edge news in the oil field. So be sure to check them out. And then the Denver International Petroleum Society dips, as we like to call it around town here, uh, just a great resource. So please go give them a shout out. Tell them Catherine sent you. So guys, I am so thrilled today. I'm sure you saw it on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and basically written in the sky because today for the Petroleum Underground, I get to combine two of my favorite topics and those are geology and murder. <laughs> You're scaring me. <laughs> Our guest today is Mr. Jim Reed. He is a geologist by trade, director of R&D at Rockware, and in his spare time, he hunts serial killers. So, Jim, how are you doing today? Well, I have a bone to pick with you. The uh, uh, actually, it's my fault. I, I, sent you the, I, sent you, I sent you the goofy picture of me with a beard. And uh, when my wife saw that, as you see, I had to trim it back. And I was really going for that Michelangelo God in the Sistine Chapel flowing beard look. So it cost me my, my deity. So. Well, I actually asked the uh, guys around here if that was a serious picture or if I should ask for another one. And they all voted to use it. So uh, blame Spurtack. I will. I, I should. you loved it. Uh, well, great. I gotta say, you are the first influencer I've had the pleasure of interviewing who has a chalkboard behind him. Which I just erased all the super secret uh, information back there from our last <laughs> meeting. You know, things like make this program work. So, <laughs> but just so in, just in case we need it, it's there. So yeah, well, I kind of wish you had left the secret sauce up there. That would have been a lot of fun. But before we begin and jump into it, because I know everyone is excited for your tales of murder, and I know you've got some good ones, but how did you get started in geology? Like, just take us through it a little bit. Let us know sort of why rocks? <laughs> well, I started out as an accounting major at the uh, University of Wyoming and um, uh, had a fraternity brother who was a geologist, and uh, he took me out hiking and um, th this whole thing that he could see the world with different eyes, things that, and all these words and stuff. And it was, um, it, it kind of caught my, my, uh, my interest. And then I had to take a science requirement. So, um, rocks for jocks 101 taught by a guy uh, named, uh, Don Boyd, who just, I uh, looked him up this afternoon. He just passed away this year, but, um, this guy was a multimedia extravaganza. He would come in and draw these beautiful 3D block diagrams, and he'd have a grad student on the on the, the projector on on the slide thing, and um, he was just uh, captivating. And it, I, I blame him. Um, I, sh I should have sued him, um, but uh, <laughs> I could have been an accountant. <laughs> and so. Uh, anyway, he, um, but, but that guy really got me going. And then, so I switched majors, uh, uh, moved to uh, Washington University in St. Louis, where another mentor, a guy named Ray Arvidson, who's the head of the Viking or the Mars surface stuff, took me under his wing. I, I really went after planetary geology. And, um, and then um, I took a break. 
uh, or I mean, I took a summer job. I, I took a summer job. It was a temporary thing, just temporary. And I, I went to, uh, to a company called Freeport in Tucson and did field exploration in the, the Southwest, Southern California, New Mexico, Arizona, and just fell in love with, with, with field work. And uh, so then I moved to a company called Amex um, and did uh, the same thing in Northern California and ended up in um, the Trans-Pecos, a little sliver of the Rockies running down through West Texas and um, uh, switched over to a, a company we had a joint venture with called Wold, a guy named John Wold based in uh, Casper who became... Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> I mean, he, the, well, he, he was—he's a god, and uh, and, he, um, and then uh, uh, so I went from uh, working with him. I was—I I, I switched over to uranium, and then started doing industrial minerals. Got into a talc deposit um, right uh, right there, about 90 miles southeast of El Paso, and just fell in love with the structure and. Um, so, so I, it was very successful. We got a whole mess of it. And finally, I, I basically fired myself because there was no need anymore. They, they had a 19 million tons, the, a 20-year resource. And so I realized I could never work for anybody else after Wold. Um, it was such, such a love affair. So I uh, started Rockware. Just, uh, and I, I'd, I'd been carting along an Apple II with me for years. Um, and, uh, and, and I like, I like, I got started in the programming back in the NASA days. And so, uh, it was kind of a a natural fit, but that's, that's my, uh, that's my resume condensed into a little tiny box. So So you combine geology with coding in order to build Rockware. Yes. Yes. Very much so. So tell us who is Rockware exactly? Because I know you're one of the founding fathers. So exactly what do y'all do? What do you provide? Because you're not just oil field specific. Yeah. Oh, no. We, we started out with, um, oh, boy, I'm trying to think here. It was uh, a program called Logger that was um, that actually started out in the talc days because talc drills very fast. And so um, before I knew it, I was, you know, 100 holes behind on, on logging holes. Then I needed to do resource calculations. So uh, anyway, so started Rockware with this uh, this log plotting program at like, I think it was like $100 or something. And then uh, we got into uh, contouring. And, um, so, uh, then we started reselling other people's programs and, and, you know, hiring people. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're geo sluts. And, um, so we, um, for, you know, from there it, you know, the first 12 years, this was going, this was, uh, 83 forward. So for the first 12 years, it was truly magical. Every month was a record month. And um, this is going to sound bad, but um, people buy anything. <laughs> it was like if you had a program that converted uh, Fahrenheit to Celsius, you know, somebody would buy it. So, yeah, probably. Because <laughs> you know, it, it was new and exciting and, and uh, PCs were really taken off. And so we, um, we ended up with 22 products um, and, okay. uh, uh, you know, Sterinets, Rose Diagrams, Piper Diagrams, basically things that are tedious to draw by hand or to calculate by hand, like volumetrics. And um, so along what was, I guess, the, the 90s, the late 90s, the, uh, this evil thing called the Internet came, you know, came along. And um, people were uh, basically introducing all sorts of free software on the Internet. All the, you know, every professor, grad student was... Uh, putting free software up on the, so we we had to get uh, we had to get honest about uh, you know really putting some distance between ourselves and what you can get for free, and uh-huh. then um, so I went to a, a it was I think an MIT Business Forum where the the head developer for Lotus, which was at that time the the, the first guys to come out with a, a real commercial spreadsheet called Lotus One Two Three that that preceded uh, Microsoft Excel. Um, this guy was given the keynote and he said, you should have one product per billion of revenue. So I got, so I got out the, I got out the calculator and I I did the math on all of our sales and decided we needed one product because we're we're a little bit less than a billion. And so, um, uh, so that, that was a, a big transition for us. And then, uh, uh, you know, consolidating all these products into, into one, except for the log plotting program. We've kept that separate. And um, 
and, and that, that's what begot rock works as from rock where. So, um, now the, um, I think it was about 2002, we started getting into consulting just enough to kind of, uh, it was really kind of kicking and screaming where, uh, customers were saying, I don't want to learn this thing. Can you do it for me using your software? Cause I want to do your, what you're doing. So, um, so we became a, a consulting company in addition, and I think we do just enough to make sure we're always still using the software. And I like to joke that um, we want to use it enough so that we hate it just as much as everybody else. And, but we can do something about it in terms of, of refining it and improving it. And it's probably been the, the best thing that ever happened to the program. So that's, that's the Rockware story. Yeah. So. Well, y'all just did a big release the other week, yeah? Mm. We did, and um, we. Um, what was that? Well, what it was, was that? it's uh, it's three. It's the last three years of my life, um, as well as, as uh, nine other people, um, and we basically kind of re rewrote it, uh, rewrote the whole interface and a lot of the engine, and um, the big uh, the big push for it was to uh, improve the workflow. And what we're finding is that um, people will visit this these applications, and, and this isn't, doesn't apply just to Rockworks. I think it applies to a lot of uh, vertical applications where you get a job, you use it, and then you forget about it. And then you come back six months later, and you've got to kind of relearn it, especially as you get older. Um, and so... You're talking software. Yes, yes. And, um, well... Maybe it could apply to other stuff, but it's uh, um, but it's but still it, it's it's something where we um, we really wanted to focus on that. So we came up with this concept of a playlist, something where you could say, okay, the first thing I do, I got to make a base map, and and I, and so you you say add, you get a nice map, and it's all pretty looking. You add that to the playlist, and then you say, now I want to do you know show three D logs, and now I want to show you know a blob. I want to you know do a model. Um, and, and, and then on and on. And so, you know, when you think about a big, a big consulting report, you know, you can have a lot of steps that go into it. So by putting them all into the playlist, we did two things. Number one is we, um, we basically, uh, somebody can, can come back to the project, add some new data and just press one button and reprocess the whole, the whole nine yards. The other, uh, I think, place where it's, it's having some uh, traction is if you go into a, any, any shop, any of our clients, um, let's say it's 12 people. Um, usually, you know, Bill down the hall, he, he's an expert with Rockworks, but the other folks, they, they don't know how to use it. They may have licenses for it, but um, they don't want to learn it. So Bill does all the work for him. And, and then Bill will, um, but now Bill can say, here's the playlist that I used. Put your data into the program press the playlist, come back in a day, and, and, and it'll be done. And, and when I say that about a day, some of these, uh, the other thing we've been getting into a lot more is dynamic models with the, um, you know, thinking of all of our different markets, there's um, the one that really wants to, to see data that changes over time is the environmental market with contamination uh, plume migration over time. We, we're, we're, we've uh, just finished up a monster project with um, 32 years of uh, of data um, in a. 32 years of data. Yeah, I, I can't say where it is. It's a college town in uh, Michigan. It starts with <laughs> Ann and ends, ends with Arbor. So. Oh, what does it rhyme with? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's actually uh, uh, it's very it's public knowledge that uh, uh, the city of Ann Arbor has a large trichloroethylene plume uh, moving towards the city, and it's really you know to see it. Yeah, so uh, it's very dramatic when you see these these blobs you know moving through space. Um, but to produce those blobs and to morph them to make intermediate models, imagine if you're doing a reservoir model in petroleum, and um, but you need to do, let's say, a thousand of them uh, as it's changed over time. And, and when I say security, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but but with this thing, what we're going for is the idea that you press a button and you go to sleep and you come back and you've got a, a really cool animated video that uh, you can you can impress people with. And so, okay. 
you know, so that, that's been a big deal for us. And then we've been a lot of redesign of the menus. A lot of our um, users don't, uh, English is a second language. About 60% of our sales are out of the country. And so um, we're putting in a lot of, uh, this is an ongoing thing of adding little cartoons. And th the most important thing for all the menus is a little video button. So you can press the button and a, little, a quick video will come up saying, you know, do this, do that, do this. Um, and we got that idea from the military where um, you can be driving an Abrams tank and if the engine fails, you, you, uh, you know, some soldier can pull out his phone, click on a barcode thing and it will trigger a video to come up on how to, you know, change the, uh, the turbocharger on this engine, which um, I, I think the military did that. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of, of uh, videos for doing everything, you know, uh, arming a nuclear missile. So there's, uh, I would actually really enjoy that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a dictator one day. <laughs> so so uh, that it, it's been a, it's been a long three years, but um, we're we're very excited about it. So that's awesome. That's well, hopefully everyone listening will go check out Rockware. But Jim, I gotta yeah. ask, you know. How, what do you think of uh, today's oil field environment, today's energy environment? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm old enough to, uh, to have lived through previous, previous events like this. And um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're, it's, uh, you know, when I, when I look at my friends, um, well, actually, I'll give you a tea, or, or, or the, um, I give a talk to um, law enforcement investigators on the similarities between geology and uh, crime scene investigations or homicide investigations. There's a, lot, there's a lot that we have in common with these guys. And um, specifically, it's the ability to uh, put a lot of emotional investment into something. You know, you've got to play. I've, I've got this feel. I, I know this is going to pan out. We're going to do this wildcat well here. We're going, to be, we're going to be filthy rich. So you go out there with a rig, you drill a really expensive hole, and nothing happens. It's dry. All so, the time. <laughs> now, mere mortals would kill themselves, <laughs> but but geologists have the ability to um, just say, "Well, you know, I, I tried. I'll learn from it, and I'll pick myself up, and I'll go do it again." Yeah, geologists um, are spin doctors. It was an experience. Oh yeah, it yeah. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. a total loss. Look at no, this no. So so we uh, we're we're kind of different. And, um, but what I've noticed is that uh, homicide investigators, you know, they invest a lot into evidence, you know, a clue. And um, so they pursue that clue only to find out that it's a dead end. And so, you know, immediately they just pick themselves up. They go off to the next, you know, the next clue and they just keep bouncing along and doing it. So, so there's a lot of, a, a lot of commonalities with that. And, and in, in this, in this environment right now, um, it, this is a test of who can bounce. Now, you may have to bounce into something that isn't petroleum, but is uh, is related. And so, what I've noticed in because we've we've been forced to have uh, you know since day one, um, you know all the all these different markets. We've got you know things like uh, you know I would say mining is is. It was probably our oldest, or it's been our longest, one of our longest term markets, just, just because I kind of came from that, that background. And um, those guys, uh, when I look at the, the commonalities between, uh, say, oil and gas exploration and mining, well, you know, in the last 10, 20 years, we've seen that there is a relationship. I mean, you can take the, uh, you know, take a line from, uh, you know, Weld County down through, you know, Wattenberg and, Keep going. You know, where do you end up? You end up in the Colorado Mineral Belt. So, yes. <laughs> you know, fractures, hydro, you know, hydrothermal fluids, hydro, hydrocarbon maturation. It's all tied together. It's all, you know, it's all kind of one in the same. So I don't, um, you know, I think, I think we've got a lot, a lot to offer. I know that um, when I look at, at things like, I did make some notes of, of some ideas on, um, you know, commonalities. Um, think so about. It. Oh, sorry. Comparable skill sets because you going from geology to murder is probably the best transferable skill set I've ever heard of. 
Well, you know, concepts like anomalies, um, you know, those those are very geologic. But yeah, it, you know, a lot of this this thing of um, doing uh, career, uh, you know, shifts through time. Um, you know, guys with no hair in in, in geology, we. We've moved around quite a bit, and so this is this is sort of old hat. But when I think about um, you know stuff like you know fluids moving through rocks, I mean fluids moving through rocks are fluids moving through rocks. So be they you know things of uh, of low viscosity or high viscosity, water, oil, and so um, it, it, yeah, <laughs> blood. <laughs> and so so uh, we call them body fluids. <laughs> So the um, but the but the deal is you know my counsel to friends who are um, you know looking at at, at uh, you know some scary stuff right now is um, don't sell yourself short. You've got this huge array of skills that can well transfer and benefit some of these other markets like mining yeah. or hydrology or, or environmental uh, contamination plume stuff, geothermal. Uh, geotechnical is, is a big market. Um, it, it's definitely um, uh, uh, something to consider because, um, you know, the, I, I, uh, just between us, engineers, engineers don't know everything. <laughs> so they, they, I would disagree. <laughs> I, I would argue with anybody about just about anything. <laughs> so, I've, got a, <laughs> I, I've got a mug for you for my grandson, a petroleum engineer. I forget what it says, but it's suddenly the effect of, um, you know, don't correct me. I'm a petroleum engineer, and or, so I, 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 I'm, I'm using the that. translation, but it, it, that. yeah. Well, in terms of transferable skill sets, I know Rockware. Just to get it out there, y'all offer a bunch of free classes to the geo community. So. Tell us a little bit about that before we jump into the blood, guts, and gore. The, um, you know, I, I should say that um, our, our, when we started doing the free classes, that was, um, that was totally self-serving. Um, you know, we, we were, we were, all marketing. yeah, yeah. And, and we weren't, um, I mean, we were charging for classes and making some money off those, but um what we found after 37 years is that what we call shelfware, somebody buys the program, they can't figure it out, they put it on the shelf, um, that doesn't sell products. It's, um, and we have tried, we, we've spent you know, millions of dollars on marketing over the years. And what we've found is that the only truth, the only, the single thing that we've, we've uh, come to rely on is word of mouth. And um, uh -huh. Yeah. You know, hey, Welcome to a podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, how did you do that? How did you make that that diagram? How did you calculate that thing? Um, and so, you know, if people ain't using it, we, we lose. So, um, by doing these these free classes, we're essentially trying to sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, create you know disciples or evangelists. And um, it's it, it's paid off well. We, we're um, uh, we'll never we'll never charge for another class. Well, we we do charge for on-site classes, but these free classes in Golden or in Switzerland, or um, you know, someplace where we can get a bunch of different clients together, like Atlanta or something, we'll do we'll continue to do those for free for as, as long as I'm around. So that. How do people sign up for them? Do they just check the website? Yeah, yeah. Get on our mailing list, and we'll send you, um, you know, an announcements or or check the website. Um, and we don't sell our mailing lists except to religious <laughs> groups and yeah we sell it to the political parties so <laughs> we can get into political yeah. parties yet uh, later because yeah. i don't yeah. argue about that too. <laughs> but getting okay. into the real reason that everyone is here today the reason i am so excited tell us about your murder group because i can't even when you when I was told that you did geology, modern day oil field geology techniques to find murder victims and catch serial killers. I mean, it's a dream come true. It's two of my favorite subjects. So, what is this group you are in? How? What? Who? Not, when? Where? How? I lied. I made that all up. <laughs> Sorry. Great. Thanks. <laughs> so, 
right. I, 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 I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. No, sorry. Okay. So um, the history of the group, it's called NecroSearch. And, uh, Necro-search. and um, it got started back in um, 86 when a, a, geophys- a geophysicist, I, have, I can't even say that word, geophysicist named Clark Dapp. Oh, they can't say it. Either. Yeah, that's true. So uh, <laughs> a geophys named uh, Clark Davenport who was, I think, at Abasco at the time. Um, Clark, uh, there was a, a, a big high-profile case going on in eastern Colorado. Um, Mike McCormick and his dad uh, ran this ranch, and they had found out that, uh, or what they would do is they'd pick up winos down in downtown Denver. They'd take them out to the ranch and, and have them work, and then when it came payday, they would kill and bury them. Um, okay. Now, as an employer, I think that's pretty cool, but uh, <laughs> but it's illegal, so I don't do it. Are Never have. Because everyone should take note of that. So. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it works out. Yeah, well. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, so so Clark's watching the news, and he's Clark's always been a grumpy guy, and um, uh, and Clark's saying those idiots—they're tearing up evidence. They should use geophysics. Blah blah blah. <laughs> And uh, his son's sitting next to him, and uh, he, his son gets fed up and says, Dad, why don't you do something about it? So the next day, uh, he goes... Stop he, bothering me. Go outside. Yeah, he, exactly. And so he goes into the office and um, the next day and calls the sheriff out there and uh, gets a, a surly receptionist who says, uh, you know, all right, I'll pass your message along. And so Clark, being an idiot, says, well, you just tell the sheriff... I have information that will lead to the discovery of those bodies. Not, not realizing what he's just said. And so uh, within about 30 minutes, he's surrounded by people with guns. And uh, so, so they drag him out to the site. He meets up with a guy named uh, coroner from uh, Arapahoe County named Jack Swanberg, a blood spatter guy named um, uh, Griff Griffin from uh, Colorado Bureau of Investigation. They bring in a forensic anthropologist named Diane France from Fort Collins, and they go out to lunch, and this group is born. So they start recruiting, and, um, you know... Hold on, hold on. Go through those ologies one more time. I heard blood spatter. Oh, 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 we got a lot more than that. We got got, got ologies I had never heard of. Uh, (laughs) And... and, um, uh, you know, things like, I, I didn't know what serology was, body fluid, you know, stuff, which is, has, has moved into, um, uh, you know, DNA, but still you've got all sorts of, uh, but anyway, we've got um, special uh, decomposition dogs. We've got, um, actually, wait, I got a, I, I printed out a list somewhere. Well, anyway, it's um, uh, lots of geology, geophysics. We've got uh, uh, scavenger specialists, uh, animal. I, I've done two cases in the last, 30 days where um, we're, we're building up a library uh, of maps of the distribution of, of remains associated with, with animal scavenging, coyotes, bears, and stuff. And, uh, f- and for example, if you dump a body on the ground surface on Rampart Ridge, look within 100 meters of the first bone discovery. If it's on the side of Green Mountain, look 600 meters within uh you know, from where the first bone was discovered. And, and so we're trying to build up basically a catalog of all sorts of stuff that we can, you know, pass on to law enforcement. Uh-huh. And it's, um, but, but some of these other, you know, behavioral psychology. Um, you know, it, it, Why are we, we also nuts? <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, well, that, that yeah, which has helped us. But the, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but things like, um, you know, was the suspect uh, the kind of person who would want to, you know, quote, own the body? Are they going to put it on their own property? Are they going to go far away? Um, how, uh, you know, just uh, are they are they a digger? Did they or are they a uh, somebody who's lazy? You know, th- th- some of these things are are um, really do affect the exploration model. And I see this in the same way as if you were to look at, you know, doing a hydrocarbon exploration. Um, it would be nice to look at places where the land is available. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, so GIS, you know, of just basically ruling places out is, is crucial, but to GIS from based on the suspect on, on their, their behavioral profile, their psychological profile is really, really important. So we've, um, you know, we teamed up with, uh, 
oh, way back, about 15 years ago with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and they've become members of the group, and so we've worked a lot with them. They've got, you know, a really good data set that I look at as being basically another exploration filter, like, you know, a Venn diagram on a map. Okay. You, know, it, you know, light tables that we used to use in the old days, like if you overlaid porosity, permeability, you know, et cetera, on a, on a map and then look for, for the sweet spot, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's exactly the same. You know, nothing has changed. It, it's just so you're a, overlaying maps to find the sweet spot to bury a body. Yes, or, or no. And and Sorry. getting rid of bodies is incredibly difficult. Yeah, that's why people bury them. Because <laughs> they're, well, I mean, they're, they're hard to find. So, it's. so what is the best murder cover-up option? Where where should we hide bodies? That's a, that's a political question. Uh, so, because, we'll find out soon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Catherine, you, you've just triggered a rant that you don't want to go down. So this rap, this rabbit hole. But um, no, no, I, I get asked this question a lot, and that is, you know, how would you do it? And uh, yeah, how would you do it? Just do it. Average okay. average prison term is going to be five years. You're going to catch up with a lot of of your, you know, correspondence. And, um, it, it's actually, uh, you know, the, the system's broke. Um, we, we've got a guy, uh, a case I did in 2017, he's coming up for parole this year. And, um, so, uh, but now getting more serious about it. Um, uh, okay. That with that political <laughs> message, uh, you know, out of the way, um, the, uh, the reality is if you've got enough attention, um, a scientific attention focused on you. It's tough. It's, um, uh, you know, especially with, um, you know, think about like, uh, anybody who's had surgery is going to have, you know, tantalum clips or, you know, other devices that aren't part of the natural environment. Any place you bury somebody, you're going to disturb the environment. You can't, uh, you know, this is kind of Heisenberg. You can't, you can't bury a body without messing up the environment. So, or like we're looking for disturbances in the stratigraphy um, in, in the same way that, you know, try to hide an asteroid impact in the Yucatan. You can't hide it. Um, well, <laughs> you're going to, yeah, they're going to find it. You're going to find the evidence of, of, of this impact in the same way that if, um, if you dig a hole, um, I mean, uh, you know, we're all used to thinking of stratigraphy as, you know, the, you know, the, the skull creek and, you know, the, yeah. the Denver formation. Uh-huh. Well, just reduce the scale down, 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 and look at A horizon, B horizon, C horizon, D horizon. Um, not only when you dig a hole, uh, are you disturbing the stratigraphy, but you're really messing up with the electrical field, you know, the conductivities as you, as you churn this stuff up. And so, you know, in terms of dielectric constants of, of these different uh, soil horizons, you can't dig a hole without messing it up. So that's the, um, you know, anything beyond that, um, you know, as far as getting into more details, we save that for, we do a, a one week class for law enforcement and I need to reserve that because, um, we do have, uh, you know, uh, some of these whack jobs in prison do watch, I hate to say, watch shows like this, or um, they're very, you know, they got nothing else to do. And so we don't, but yeah, yeah. And well, and it works both ways. I've seen a lot of cops who get good ideas off these crime shows. So yeah, yeah. Except there's a thing called the CSI effect. that's very real. And that is um, everyone thinks that they're a, a criminal hunter. Well, well, it, it, it's it, it comes up in court um, where where you know the you know the juror will pass a note to the judge saying, you know, did they do n-dimensional hyperspace eigenvector analysis of the double Fourier, uh, you know, trace element geochemistry, blah blah blah. And the poor cops are going, what the hell are they? Yeah, what the hell? Yeah, I saw it on a show the other night and. and <laughs> And, and, you know, well, DNA is a great example. Okay. Uh, DNA solves, uh, how many cases does uh, DNA solve on TV? 100%. You know, it's 100% effective. In real life, I got to hold up, see if I can see it. 6% of the cases are solved with DNA. Um, DNA turnaround on TV is before the next commercial. 
Well, in real life, it's, you know, six months uh, plus. And so there's, um, there's some unrealistic expectations that are coming out of this. But at the same time, I, th I still think it's a good thing that uh, people are, at least it's churning ideas and getting people thinking about this stuff. But it's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot to it. So, so is your group finding bodies? Are you coming in on active cases? Are you brought in when they've gotten far enough to start finding a killer or they've just run into a brick wall? And are you going all over the United States? Is this uh, all, all over the world? Um, we, we, yeah, we've done stuff in, in, uh, Australia, Russia, the UK. Um, it's, um, it's definitely an international endeavor and we've got, we're trying to set up sister organizations to, to work with us on stuff. But, uh, going back to the original question of, um, you know, cold cases versus hot stuff and all that, uh, the answer is yes, all of the above that, um, typically, they're cold cases, but, um, you know, just recently, you know, last week I was on one that, that's, you know, May 10th. And so, um, last week? yeah, that was, so oh. that's, uh, you know, that, that one was very, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. And, but our models are really designed for, I would say for, for cold cases. Um, okay. yeah. And that, that, that's, uh, because that way, we can take a little bit more time to acquire data, do some more planning as opposed to somebody, you know, calling up and saying, can you be here um, for a meeting at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning? And so that's, uh, you know, th that's kind of fun. But yeah, well, actually, it's a lot of fun. Going to somewhere in Europe to go hunt serial killers? Yeah, that sounds like yeah. Yeah. And, well, and you know, and Kayla, I, I should I should mention that uh, Catherine, sorry, the um, that we're not necessarily. Um, I mean, the, the serial cases are are kind of few and far between. Oh, like, I would hope so. Yeah, hope so. <laughs> you know, we we did uh, Bundy way back when um, when the group first formed, but um, he wasn't a real Barian kind of guy. And um, but since then, we've we've done several uh, serial types who are. Um, uh, people who like to bury things, but typically these are crimes of passion. It's usually, um, yeah. you know, some, you know, some guy, uh, goes ape and kills his wife, buries her in the backyard. Um, it's, it, it's, I, I would say that's more typical. Um, and the serial ones, um, I got a, you know, I, 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 I did one last summer in Michigan, six girls and, um, uh, okay. yeah. And, and the problem is six, at, at least six. And, um, the problem with those is that um, when I mentioned the, the, the behavioral psychologist, we've um, you know there's 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 more the victims than the victim, and uh, and that those those are the ones where if you get emotionally involved in those, I, I quit the group for like a year once when um, a guy got under my skin and then realized I missed it too much. But th there is a psychological toll when I do the recruiting. I say um, you know you're going to have all this fun. It's going to be action adventure excitement. But from time to time, it's going to catch you and you're yeah. going to um, and it's going to mess with your head. And so what we've started doing is keeping an eye on each other. And so I'm trying to do. Yeah, there we go. Um, keep an eye on each other. And um, the role of humor is um, paramount. Um, mm -hmm. And in fact, if we have somebody who's um, interviewing for membership, uh, if I don't see humor, I don't want to be around that's scary. Um, and, and it's, uh, we, I'll tell you, we had a, a shrink once give us a talk, um, about this topic. And he said, uh, he's talking about a victimless or I mean a one car accident where a car had driven into a, a telephone pole and the, uh, the guy's dead windows are down. Um, engine's still running. So they come up one cop on either side of the car. Um, one cop reaches in to turn off the ignition. And as he does so, this hand grabs, grabs his wrist and his friend says, hey, grab his, his eye, which was dangling out of the eye. So like, turn around and show him how screwed up he is. And so we all we all burst into laughter. The whole group, it was like 40 of us just laughing. We thought this was the funniest story we'd ever heard. He said, I made that story up to test you. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> and, and, um, and that was, uh, uh, and, he, he, and so it, it does have a real role to play. And the other nice thing about all these different disciplines in the group, it's very multidisciplinary, is that we get to make fun of each other. 
of uh, our disciplines. And like, for example, I maintain that all endeavors, all sciences are subsciences of the geosciences. So, you know, geophysics, oh, so geoengineering. Right. Yes. Uh -huh. So, okay. so you, you engineers, you're just a subset. We're just data engineers. Yeah. We're cell junkies. You don't need us. Yeah. So it's, it's true. Anyway, that's, that's my. Well, that's I'm so glad true. you bring that up because even though I'm super excited, I know everyone watching is super excited to hear your story. Um, it is a very real thing. There is a traumatic toll. Someone did lose their life. So it, I mean, it's very real and we have to be respectful of that. But this is not a respectful question and I do apologize, but who is your favorite serial killer? You said uh, you worked a bunch of days. So I knew it was coming. Well, I've got a guy who, um, in, you know, I'm not sure if I was half serious about this or not. Um, I asked if I could come to his execution if they uh, if they allow uh, capital punishment in Colorado again. But it's uh, Scott Kimball. He's up in Sterling right now. And um, he's uh, I've, I met Edward Teller, the father of the H-bomb, um, the smartest human the guy who invented Star Wars for Reagan. And yeah. uh, and 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 Scotty. On that. <laughs> oh, cool! And, but but Scott is smarter than him in terms of interpersonal. He can manipulate people. Um, one of the things I've noticed about him, and uh, going back to an old case of, uh, oh, I forget his name. He's dead now. Thank goodness. Um, but anyway, charming people, very charming people, um, ladies' man, um, and uh, they have the ability to, to to look at you, figure out what makes you tick. And, um, and, and so I remember I had to spend two days in the field with, with, uh, with this guy and, um, we're walking along through a Canyon in Utah and a little box Canyon. And he said, Hey Jim, is, is, are these cyclothem deposits? I said, cyclothem? Why? Yes, they are. And I start getting, you know, getting into explaining all this stuff and realize I'm talking to a serial murderer and, 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 uh, and, um, and I realized he, he got inside my head and, um, so, uh, you know, in terms of, of geologists can be distracted so easily. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just it's true. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a laser pointer and a cat. You know, exactly. Like, That's uh, true, especially for us engineers. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we go off topic, but you know, it's, it's just it's just some occupational hazard. But you know, in, in terms of. Uh, uh, you know, scary guys. Um, the one in the one I did last year in Michigan was, um, I, of course, I've never met him. I've, I've watched his interview videos uh, ad nauseum, and um, he's he's a scary guy. He's I would say favorites the bad or the wrong word. Um, scariest would be uh, they're all scary people. Um, you know, sociopaths. They it's not that they have something we don't have. It's that they don't have something we do have, which is empathy and compassion. And yeah. um, so it, it gives them actually a, a very big advantage in, in some ways for doing you know, horrible things, whereas the normal human would say, I, you know, I can't do this anymore. Right? Or it's, you know, it's, it's, I'd rather die than, than do this kind of stuff. But they don't have that. So it's um, you know, it, there's a Voltaire quote. I'm going to butcher it. Um, Sometimes when you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back at you. And so when you're talking to these people, trying to get inside their heads, you got to look inside your own head to, because we're all capable of horrible things. But, um, but, but it's that, you know, that, that chunk of gray matter that we have that they don't, that says, no, I'm not, I'm not going there. And so that's, um, that, that gets kind of heavy, but uh, yeah. So I don't want to think about that. <laughs> so. Well, tell us what your favorite, what's the best case you've worked? Can you tell us one of your stories? Or are you able to go through all of it? Yeah, we, we can talk about any case that, that has, uh, is closed, has gone to trial. And, um, uh, and I think, actually, I, I think the ones where, where I've had a lot of fun have been um, where they do go all the way, because we also provide expert testimony. And, um, and, and so, you know, bear in mind that, uh, and I'm going to get off topic and come back to your question, but one of the, um, uh, you know, a typical homicide investigator 
is going to encounter one clandestine grave in, in their entire career. And so, um, statistically. Um, so what do you do? You, you, know, you call the local university and they send out, uh, you know, a professor and who is well-intentioned, good people, very, you know, very well-educated, but they've never uh, been, you know, they may not have the experience in terms of uh, chain of custody, evidence, handling, dealing with the press. And to reality, we face yeah. that problem too. Yes, yes. So, um, and, and uh, you know, like, oh, we need to set up a baseline study that will take two years. And no, 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 no. We got, we got 48 hours. And so they will, um, uh, they will basically, uh, uh, or well, the, you know, so that's, that's one thing that's going on. The next thing that goes on is that if you have a loved one that goes missing and it gets on the press, your phone will ring off the hook immediately with charlatans, um, you know, uh, psychics, uh, dowsers, uh, psychics? You know. oh, psychics out they the union. Yeah. They, they saw it. They, I saw your little girl. I know where your little girl is. I saw it. Um, it, some of them actually believe what they're saying. Some of them are, are cruel, horrible people. Um, but, uh, the thing they have in common is they're both full of baloney. And so, um, Dowsers, we've seen, you know, and so, so the family will go to the, to the cops and they'll say, Oh, you got to hire this guy. He's, he saw my girl. And, and, um, so, you know, the cops are just trying to, you know, make, you know, go along with it. So, um, then once, once they fizzle, once all else fails, somebody will say, why not science? <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's a boring route. Why yeah, science? <laughs> You know, what the heck? And uh, so um, so by the time we get there, um, they've already gone through, or typically by the time we get there, they've already gone through a bunch of this other mumbo jumbo. And what I've found from uh, my mentors is that you got to take charge. You can't just, you know, act like a scientist. You got to, you know, start giving. In fact, when I arrive on scene or if I'm at the airport, you know, meeting the detectives, um, I'll make up stuff. I'll say, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need a 12 volt battery from, I'm going to need stakes this high. I've got all that stuff. I don't need any of that stuff, but you can see in the body language, you can see people just kind of relaxing going, Oh, this guy knows what he's doing. And, um, and if you do it long enough, eventually you realize one day I do know what I'm doing, which is, <laughs> which is I can stop faking it. <laughs> so, and I, I think that applies to a lot of, a lot of endeavors in life, but the, um, anyway, getting back on track um, okay. <laughs> to your question of, of a, a good a good case uh, story. Back in uh, 2017, I got a call from the um, CBI and the, the Greeley Police Department. Um, they a guy back in um, oh god, it was uh, I, I think I thought I, I made some notes on this just so I don't get the dates wrong. Uh, I knew you were going to ask this. Um, yeah, it, it was in, in 95, um, a, uh, a young lady named Tina Sandoval had um, uh, told her friend, I'm going to go meet with my soon-to-be ex-husband uh, because it was tax time, it was April, and um, we need to finish some stuff so I can dump this guy and move on with my life. If you don't, if you don't hear from me by tomorrow, uh, call the cops. So okay. next day, her friend called the cops. Pardon me? She, she knew that he was dangerous. Well, I don't, I don't know, but probably. Um, but I don't think he'd had anything going on before then. Um, but, but she knew he was a pervert. And um, so, uh, so indeed, she doesn't show up. Uh, the cops uh, find him uh, in his mom's house or something. He's got all his clothes in the, in the washing machine at you know, 3 in the morning. And uh, they catch him trying to... Uh, sneak out a window, they get a conviction, a bodiless conviction. Um, and, um, and then it was overturned by some Nambe, Pembe, sorry. Okay. Okay. Stay, stay focused. Sorry. Uh, it was overturned. He went free. Um, uh, he moves to Nevada, gets, um, he's incarcerated for two felonies. Uh, so the Greeley police department, which are incredible people, um, incredibly good investigators. They, uh, they go out there and talk with him and they, they arrange a, a plea deal and, um, to, to find Tina and, um, from 97. So, um, 
they knew that she was dead or just missing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, after a certain period of time, you know, people are dead. And um, so she, um, anyway, he he uh, tells him, well, you know, I, I used to work at this cemetery in Greeley, east of Greeley. And um, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I think I may have, you know, there was an open grave that night. And I may have, you know, she may have fallen in. And so, uh <laughs> <laughs> so so we get the call uh, go out there uh uh use the radar to um ground penetrating radar to to look at the, the there were three open graves the night that she went missing in 97 according to the cemetery records awaiting in turn or you know funerals the, the following day and um so uh one of the graves is uh a little bit deeper than the surrounding graves and um so we decided to, to do that one and and uh arranged for an exhumation, which is where you basically take coffin out of the grave. It's not, it wasn't gross or gory or anything like that. It's, um, they have a, no, no, this was perfectly preserved because, uh, uh, when they put a, they put down a concrete plate with beveled edges, uh, inward beveled edges, this concrete plate, they put the they put some spacers in for water, um, moisture, and then they put the coffin on top of that. And this was a metal coffin. And then they put a bell, a concrete bell over that. I don't know what this it is about wanting to preserve our loved ones. But nevertheless, um, when they, uh, oh, yeah. And when they, uh, well, it's a big industry. And yeah. um, uh, mortician's industry, I think, is one of the largest lobbyists in, in D.C. and in, in the state legislators, uh, legislatures. So, uh, but that's another rant. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, that's rant number 722. So um, anyway, they, they take the bell off and uh, pull the coffin. Coffin was pristine. You can, um, you know, you could uh, you could use it right then and there. So they whisk the uh, the coffin off, and then they take the, the concrete plate off. And uh, uh, myself and another um, a guy from uh, Necrosearch members, uh, retired CBI guy named uh, Griff Griffin, the blood spatter guy. Um, he jumps in, uh, and we, we start doing the radar on the base of the grave. Well, lo and behold, on the east end, we're seeing all sorts of disturbances. We're looking at, at, at profiles that, you know, by the way, a GPR profile and a seismic profile look the same. Uh, so imagine looking at a seismic thing, and you're seeing all jumbled uh, uh, stratigraphy on one end, and at the other end, nice layered stratigraphy, which answered the question of, Two questions. Where did he put the dirt? Because uh, if he'd thrown it up on the surface, the, the cemetery people, would it would have drawn some attention. Yeah. He, he put it behind him and um, in the grave. And number two, it answered the question of when the night that they arrested him, why did he have a level in his car? <gasps> so, not. yeah, uh, it, because if he had made the grave unlevel because of his previous work experience there, he knew that they would, you know, somebody would know, you know, something's weird. Somebody's messed with this group. So, um, so we started digging on the anomaly and at 18 inches, we found Tina. And, um, and that's when, um, uh, you know, that's when, that's when I, I like to climb out of the grave and, and go smoke a cigar. Um, cause I don't, I don't like gross stuff, but, um, that was, uh, that was that. And so, and the best part was we got to, we were invited to his sentencing where, um, uh, we got to. You, know you guys were all doing this. Yeah, everybody who was on site. There was uh, Diane France, who's our forensic anthropologist, and uh, Griff, and um, uh, uh, and myself. And so we got to, uh, you know, wave goodbye to to, to John as, as they cuffed him and or as they took him out manacled to go to prison. And then when I was getting ready for this uh, uh, this talk, this interview today, I I pulled him. He comes up for parole this year. So, oh, which was, which is okay. I'll stay calm. That's, that's okay. <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> but, we but, have people in prisons for lesser things. So, not to trigger you, but yeah, yeah, the system it, is very broken. That is, that's yeah. not an argument. That's a reality. I'm afraid so. But, you know, the, the other ones, I, I think, um, uh, you know, seeing the hydrology uh, come into play. Is has been a really cool thing. Of um, we drill monitor wells now. We've got had two cases where um, cadaver dogs hit down hydrologic gradient from 
the, where, wherever the remains are. So we're trying to make subsurface maps to trace uh, these, these, these body, you know, these gases, these decomp gases up gradient to see where they're coming from. So we start putting in monitor wells. This is classic. I mean, this is, there's no difference between doing this, you know, finding a, uh, you know, the source of, of a contamination plume. So yeah. there, there's, there's no difference. It's uh, the only difference is that if um, like the one we, we did last year in, in um, Wyoming um, with, with all these cops and everybody being so energized in one weekend, we put in 24 monitor wells and um, and got and measured water static water levels. Um, if you had done that on an environmental site right now, you're looking at maybe a quarter million dollars. Yeah. So I, I remember pulling these these guys aside at the end of it, saying, "Hey, keep the team together, because <laughs> because we can make a fortune in environmental." <laughs> so it's uh, but, but it's the same stuff. So well, again, it's transferable skill sets, and that's awesome that you're able to take you know environmental hydrology oil field technologies and apply them to you know solving criminal cases that's amazing yeah i'm just the, the one I'm, i keep thinking about is lateral drilling how how cool would it be to come up with micro rigs you know we're starting to see lateral drilling in uh in environmental remediation yeah and um and these guys they've never even heard of it i mean the environmental hydro people um, which goes back to transfer, you know, technology transfer of um, the skill sets that the petroleum geologists or engineers have to uh, to bring to uh, the environmental field. Uh, you would be amazed. You you would be uh, you'll be uh, you'll be a god, you know, in these industries because they've never heard of this stuff. But I'd like to I'd like so to really apply long laterals, horizontals, things like that for their their spectrum of things. Well. You got a, a dry cleaner at the um, the shopping mall, and they've been dumping their their uh, nasty stuff down, you know, down okay. down the drain. And um, so for years and years. Um, so where's it going to go? What, what, if you just dump in the ground, where's it going to go? It's going to go into basically paleo channels, and these are you know sinusoidal, uh, sinusoidal, <laughs> which is like sinusoidal but different. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's going to go. It's going to follow these pathways. And um, so, the classic way of doing remediation is to, you know, start drilling vertical holes and building pump and treat plants uh, uh, above these things. Wait a minute. Why don't you just go in with a with a lateral and just follow the channel, you know, uh, uh, down and, and then do your recovery or your your treatment along that that single well. Um, and if you if you propose that right now, they look at you like, well, that can't be done. And and and, and I like to say, well, I know some people who know how to do that, and they do it every day, all day long. And then I start telling them stories about you know, uh, you know, you know, going down seven thousand feet in in half a day, and 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 kicking out you know almost two miles in in five days, and 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 then they really think I'm crazy, but. Um, uh, so it's uh, drillers and they rock. <laughs> but, but I think you got you guys seriously are are um, uh, you you got a lot to offer in uh, in all the in other industries, not just uh, in petroleum. So uh, and forensics for that matter. But it, I, you know, I keep fantasizing about how to how to set up a little you know truck mounted uh, geoprobe style rig where we could start doing directionals um, because. Um, you know, I, I would say that I've done more than a hundred concrete uh, searches where bodies under concrete, and I would love to not use a rock saw when we're done with the radar, uh, but to actually come in from from the side, and that way you don't have to reimburse the the homeowner for their their driveway or their parking or their garage or their basement. Um, that would hold on, hold on, hold on. You yeah. are finding bodies under people's driveways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we had, we had, oh, we had a great one in, uh, in, uh, Phoenix, uh, years ago where, uh, Clark did this okay. and, um, this, this girl, her, uh, uh, she got together with her sister. She's now an adult. And they said, Hey, remember when we were little girls and mom left us and, uh, I said, yeah, that was horrible. Mom left us and we never heard from her ever again. Say, wasn't that the same night that dad put in, poured the concrete patio around the pool? 
<laughs> so, um, oh yeah, no, this was, this was a good one. Yeah. And, um, so she, um, so Clark goes out there with a, a, a radar unit, gets three anomalies. Uh, the first one, the width was about the, the diameter of a, uh, the drain pipe going out into the alleyway to drain the pool. The second one was really narrow. It was obvious. It was, it's the uh, power line going to the hot tub. The third one, about four feet wide, didn't make any, or no, it was less than that, about 30 inches wide. Didn't make any sense. So they cut through the concrete and she was there still with, with the, with her daughters recognized her, her uh, go to church dress, polka dot blue dress that she wore to church. And, um, and that guy, uh, what was his name? Kaitel, I think. I'm, I'm confusing people. But anyway, he, uh, he probably thought he got away with that 20 years ago. And uh, he died he in prison. Well, he died in prison. <laughs> so. uh, well, good. But in that case, was that, did the cops bring you in? Or did they just say, hey, we have this weird feeling? No, 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 no. The, the girls went to the cops. The cops came to us. We, we okay. never we never worked directly with, with uh, family or anything like that. Only exclusively law enforcement. And that, and that, that makes cool. life easier. Yeah, but that was that was a pretty good one. That was, um, and uh Anyway, that, but concrete is, is very, very common in cases. And um, I've ruined entire parking or underground parking garages. <laughs> so it's, it's sad, but. I'm just uh, going through like ways I can get rid of bodies eventually. So. Blender, yeah. eat them. Huh? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ew, ew. Not <laughs> so. yet, not starving yet, but. Okay. <laughs> So. We are on the brink of change. You yeah. never know. So, oh no, God, just, just be nice to people. Just be nice. I'm not nice. So. <laughs> you can ask all my friends that, too. So. That's it. Thank you so much. This was oh. so interesting. I love it's that we pleasure. were able to link it to transferable skill sets. I love that it had murder in there. I mean, great ways to hide bodies. Do your mapping because it sounds like that's the most efficient way. Yeah. And I mean, if someone was ever interested in joining your group, someone who is in a transferable skill, like has something that could be of use in the future, when do y'all recruit? How do you recruit? Or how do they begin the process of building a group for their local law enforcement, because we know that local law enforcement is overwhelmed at times. So oh, yeah. if citizens get yeah. busy, maybe we have a lot less cold cases. Ab absolutely. In fact, I would say, uh, or to answer your question, um, as far as getting getting hold of any of us, uh, get hold of me, or, or we have got a website, necrosearch.org, N-E-C-R-O-S-E-A-R-C-H.org. I'll put it in the uh, show notes. Thank you. And um, the way it works is is uh, we have monthly meetings here in, in uh, Denver and uh, down at the Highlands Ranch Law Enforcement uh, Training Center. And um, although those have been on hiatus, we're now doing them through you know Zoom or something like that. Okay. And um, But the deal is that... Uh, uh, if somebody's interested, you have to sit in uh, on at least a year's worth of monthly meetings. And um, and the frustrating thing that drives me crazy is that whenever we discuss active cases, you have to leave the room or turn off your your uh, your Zoom thing. Um, so that that's kind of that's frustrating. But it's also a good litmus test for who's you know really serious. And then. Um, and then at the end of the year, we asked you to give a presentation on what, what you could bring to the group. Now, I can assure your viewers that um, you all have something um, if, I mean, in terms of uh, exploration or, or just doing you know, science. Um, everybody's got something to offer. If, if you were a bunch of you know, boneheads, I would say, nah, don't. But I, I know, I, I, I know you're engineers. Uh, yeah, and even engineers, because <laughs> at our research site, we bury things. And so we can always bury engineers and see how the geophysics respond over them. So, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, 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 but, it, but it, seriously, it, it is, um, everybody's got something to offer. Um, and, and, it, and like, uh, we, we do, we, we do re I forgot to mention, we, we do the research too. We've got, uh, all these pigs buried down there. So if you want to do research, if you don't want to do crime scene assistance, if you want to do crime scene stuff, that's great. And then if you want to do, um, 
uh, help with the training class, the one-week class, that's a lot of work. But we, uh, for like sister organizations and groups like that, if you've got um, anybody interested, let us know and we can, because w- one of the things we want to do is, is use NEC Research as a template for other organizations. And that's already taken place across the world. So uh, by all means, uh, necresearch.org. So. Cool. Well, I will be sure to link all that information to help y'all grow your base and, you know, find those serious people that can do those transferable skill sets. So, Jim, thank you so much for taking the time today. That was so cool. Thank you for your murder story. <laughs> I personally love it. And, you know, you're going to do it, like you said. I'm wondering about you. <laughs> all right. Hey, all thanks, right. Cool. You well, take thank care. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Petroleum Underground, a segment of the Crude Audacity podcast. And remember, until next time, give them hell. Hold on. One more thing before you go. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell.